St. Peter Chrysologus, Fifth Sermon on the Creed. If the Canaanite woman, with an unexpected shout and with sudden faith, both acquired what she wanted and extracted what was being denied her when Christ was going by, if the Ethiopian eunuch, while passing by, found the mystery of the bath of life, seized it on the road, and received it during his travels, if the centurion Cornelius, before being baptized, obtained the Spirit, if the criminal, at the very moment of death, gained paradise and life, who will refuse you what you seek in an instant? Therefore, Acquire faith from faith, and, so that you might be capable of knowing the mystery of faith, work hard as the time approaches. As Moses was about to convey the law, he invoked heaven and earth. What kind of invocation will the priest make who is about to bestow grace? Moses said, Listen, O heaven, and I shall speak and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. I say, listen, O God, so that I may speak, and let the human being hear the words of my mouth. Moses said, may my discourse be awaited like rain, and may my words descend like dew. I shall say, may your spirit come like dew, and may your grace overflow like a river and may the water of the heavenly word come gushing out unto eternal life. Moses said, Since I shall call on the name of the Lord, give glory to our God. I say, Since I have called on faith, give your trust to your God. And since the vessels of our bodies have now been restored by the Lenten fast, it is now necessary for us to learn the Pledge of Faith, the symbol of our interaction with heaven, so as to be steadfast in hope that, as we traverse all the seas of the world and the treacherous waves of this age, we are to acquire gain that will endure forever. So receive the faith, await the reality, because for the one who does not first have faith as a seed, there never results the reality as its fruit. Make the sign of the cross. Speech gives rise to listening. Listening produces faith. Faith produces belief. Belief fosters professing. Professing confers eternal salvation. And so, in what follows, faith finds itself in my mouth and yours. Belief is embraced, and salvation greets itself with the kiss of professing. I believe in God the Father Almighty. This statement acknowledges and reveals the entire mystery of the Trinity. It says God, and not God's, because it believes that in the Trinity there is one God. Christian faith knows the Father. It knows the Son. It knows the Holy Spirit. It does not know God's. Divinity is threefold in persons, 
but there is one divinity in the Trinity. The Trinity is distinct in persons, but there is no division of substances. God is one, but in a Trinity. God is alone, but not solitary. Divinity is not divided in the Trinity, nor is there any confusion in its unity. Faith perceives this when it says, I believe in God. The next word is Father. The one who believes in the Father professes that there is a Son. The one who believes in the Father and the Son is not to think of ages, nor to consider ranks, nor to make hypotheses about periods of time, nor to inquire into conception, nor to understand a birth. The one who believes in God has professed divine, not human, matters. But the heretic says, How is he a father if he does not precede? How is he a son if he is not subsequent? How does the begetter not provide a beginning? How does the begotten not take his beginning from the begetter? This is what reason teaches. This is what nature manifests. You are wrong, O heretic. This is what human reason holds. But it is not what divine reason holds. This is what worldly nature proposes. This is not what the divine nature disposes. Human frailty is conceived and conceives. It is produced and produces. It is begotten and begets. It has a beginning and transmits death. It receives and it gives back and preserves in its offspring whatever pertains to its own condition and nature. God the Father, however, did not beget in time because he does not know time. He who knows no beginning did not give a beginning. He did not transmit an end because he has no end. But he generated the Son from himself in such a way that everything that was in him was and remained in the Son. The honor of the begotten is an honor for the begetter. The perfection of the begotten is the image of the begetter. Any diminution of the begotten brings dishonor on the begetter. But when you hear these things, O heretic, do not say, How do these things happen? You have said God. You have believed in the Father. You have professed that he is almighty. If you doubt, you have lied. If you say, I believe, how is it that you do not believe, but you raise objections? If you think such things are impossible, then you have removed the omnipotence that you professed. But let us, who profess that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have one majesty and glory, now speak about our faith concerning the Lord's body. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, after the Son of God, like rain on fleece, with the entire 
ointment of his divinity poured himself into our flesh, from this ointment he was called Christ. And he was the sole bearer of this name who was so fully inundated and infused with God that man and God were one God. Therefore, with this anointing, he has made his name flow upon us, who from Christ are called Christians. And what is sung in the Song of Songs has been fulfilled. Your name is ointment poured out. And in Christ Jesus his Son. The former is the name of a mystery, the latter of a triumph. For just as the one anointed by God receives the name Christ from the anointing, so too when he restored to the world the salvation that had been lost, from the verb to save, he took the name of Savior. Now we have often said that what Jesus means in the Hebrew language means Savior in Latin. and in Christ Jesus his Son. Whose? Certainly God the Father's. So when you say, in Jesus his Son, you profess that Jesus, who was born of Mary, is the Son of God. So be careful not to give more recognition to what was human in Christ, but always profess that he is God, as the Apostle says. Even if we have come to know Christ according to the flesh, we now no longer know him in this way. Our only Lord. Only is appropriate in two ways, since he is both the only Son of the Father and he is our only Lord. Others have obtained by grace being sons and lords. Christ alone has and possesses by nature, being Son and being Lord. Who was born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. If, according to the Evangelist, what is born of the Spirit is Spirit, since God is Spirit, let the heretic now profess that God is born of the Virgin's flesh, and no longer reduce a heavenly mystery, namely, the birth from virginity, to the world's manner of conceiving, to the impairment arising from earthly frailty. Who was crucified under Pontius Pilate and was buried. You hear the name of the judge so that you may recognize the time of the passion. Hear that he was crucified so that you may observe the extent of his charity from the extent of his death and that you may know that death, which came through wood, has been put to death through wood, and that you may believe that greater goods have been returned to you through the tree of the cross than you were lamenting that you had lost through the tree of paradise. You say that he was buried, so that professing his burial may indicate that Christ had true flesh and that his death was not superficial. that he underwent and conquered death, that he entered the underworld and returned, 
that he came to the power of hell and destroyed the power of hell, this is not frailty, but might. You profess that he rose on the third day. On the third day. So that you may understand that in the resurrection of Christ, the victory belonged to the whole trinity. You say that he ascended the heavens, so that you believe that he is Lord of heaven, so that you acknowledge that he returned to the realm from which he had come. Since after having overcome the devil, having trampled upon death, having freed the world, Christ enters in triumph above the heavens when he was thought to have been conquered on earth. You proclaim, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, such that, since the divinity of the Father and the Son is one, and their power is equal, in the heavenly seating plan, the insult of being seated on the left does not exist. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. When Christ comes, the dead will rise, and the living will stand for judgment, so that both at the same time will plead their cases by accounting for their deeds. And since we have now spoken about the mystery of the Lord's body, we have reached the point of professing the divinity of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, whom the divine voice proclaims as God to us when it says that God is spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who is the fellow worker of the Father and the Son, as the prophet sings, By the word of the Lord the heavens were established, and by the Spirit of his mouth all their powers. Entirely God, and the entire power of God is he who is shown to be the creator of the heavenly powers. We believe in the Holy Church, which Christ took to himself in such a way as to make her a sharer in his divinity. We believe in the forgiveness of sins, since through Christ and the Church, the one who is born as a new human being will have nothing of the old one. We believe in the resurrection of the flesh, such that we believe that the reason for the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ was that we might rise from the dead. The flesh will rise. It will rise such that we ourselves exist, and recognition of persons remains, so that both the martyr receive joy from the punishment of the persecutor, and the persecutor receive punishment from the honor of the martyr. We believe in eternal life, because after the resurrection there is no end of the good or the wicked. Make the sign of the cross. Let us entrust the faith that we believe and are taught, not to ink, but to our spirit. Let us commit it to our heart, not to paper, to memory, not to a book so that human devices do no injury to the divine gift, so that no profane inquisitor may obtain the heavenly secret, so that what is conducive to life for believers may not be the ruin of unbelievers. For the bleary-eyed, the sun bestows not light, but darkness. 
Wine does not restore the strength of those who have a fever, but it debilitates them even more. Without a doctor, the cup of life becomes lethal. So too, for unbelievers, the mystery of faith is very destructive without faith. As the Apostle says, let faith be obtained from hearing, but let hearing be obtained from the word. And let the pledge of life, the pact of faith, the law of salvation not be attached to those destined for death, but to the minds of the living.